0: Make your hope sure. Let me read for us Hebrews 5, 11, through chapter six, verse three. The writer of scripture says, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. For anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death, and of faith in God, instructions about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. Let me pray. Father, as we come to your word this morning, would you give us ears to hear? Nothing happens unless you speak. And Lord, it's you that we want to hear through your word this morning. What is it that you want to say to us this Christmas that could change our life? We ask that in your name, amen. Well, this morning, we've heard the children sing as they have presented the story of Christmas. And we've seen the third of our dramas, and each of these dramas has focused on a particular movie, unnamed there, I can give a name and a message, that's okay, but unnamed in a drama because of copyrights. But we've seen um, these stories retold, and I was thinking about that you know that it's hard to beat a good Christmas movie. Uh, All of us probably have favorite ones that we enjoy and maybe some of them are the fun movies, you know, like the Santa Claus series with Tim Allen. Or maybe there are movies that you like to watch that are more about the actual life of Christ, like the Nativity, a wonderful movie that uh, tells the story of his birth and gives you a feeling of what those circumstances were like into which Jesus was born. But why do we like these movies? You In our drama series, the classics that they shared were Summary of a Christmas Carol, or It's a Wonderful Life, or Here, a Charlie Brown Christmas. Why do we enjoy them so much? And I think it's because of the themes that they talk about. They talk about redemption. I mean, Dickens' Christmas Carol is such a great story that it is possible for a life to be changed. That someone could go from being a miserly, greedy, self-centered individual to someone whose eyes could be open. And they could change their life to be kind and generous and good is a remarkable thing. Or to think of a man like George Bailey who wondered if his life made any difference at all. It hadn't gone as he had planned, he had dreams, he had wanted to travel, he wanted to do things, he wanted to leave the town in which he had been born and grown up in and see the world. And when it didn't turn out that way and the world seemed like it was collapsing in on him, he wondered if it would have been better if he had never been born. Or you think about Charlie Brown, this cartoon character who is wondering, what's it all about? Who's seeing the commercialism, who's seeing the lighting contests, who sees all of the things that are going on, and wondering, what is it at the heart of Christmas? Well, think about those individuals, and what if they had missed the message? What if they had missed what it was all about? What if Ebenezer Scrooge didn't listen to the warnings that he was given? And what if he had rejected that message? He would have died and been lost for eternity. And Tiny Tim probably would have died too. What if George Bailey had never been born? Well, he found out what it would be like. His brother would have died. All those thousands of men on that transport ship would have been lost. And his town would have ended up in the hands of a greedy old man, named Potter. And what if Charlie Brown didn't have a friend who could tell him what Christmas really is all about and would say, fear not, for I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you and he is Christ the Lord. That's what Christmas is all about. All these other things that we enjoy, you know, they add to the occasion, the food, the gathering with friends, the special music or things that we love to do. But the focus of Christmas is this wonderful gift that was given to us, Jesus Christ. And what if we miss it? If you miss the message of Christmas, you miss everything. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is concerned about. He is writing to Christians who were living in that that first century, difficult times, beginning to experience persecution in their life. They were dealing with trials. They dealt with poverty, affliction, sickness, disease, all of these things. And they were wondering, does God really care? And does he see? And he wrote to them because he didn't want them to miss the greatest news that has ever been given. He has that same concern for us. Don't miss the message. But how do we know? How do we know if we have placed our trust in Jesus as our Savior and Lord? How do we know if we've really been born again and changed? Well, one of the clearest ways that you can know is by the change that takes place in your life and by the growth that you experience. Because growth is expected in the Christian life. That's what the scripture is telling us here. You know, the problem with the Hebrews, he said, is that they were slow to learn. By this time, they should have been teachers, but they themselves still needed to be taught. One of the marks of a Christian is a hunger to know God. And that's that's one of the reasons why I love working with new believers. I love working with those who have come to know Christ as their Savior and Lord and are just so hungry. They're like sponges soaking it all up, kind of like these children that were singing up here that hear and memorize those lines so easily or hear the story and trust Jesus in their heart. We've had some men in recent years who have come to know Christ in our church and it's just been a joy to see the change in their life. You see it on their face, you see their countenance change, you see the the joy, the burden that was lifted, you see their hunger to get into the word and then to share that with others. There's a passion because Christ has changed their life. And the writer of Hebrews was saying to these individuals, you know, we have so much more that we want to teach you, but you're not there yet. You still, in a sense, need to learn the ABCs of the faith. Pastor Jason and I were talking about this text this week, and he put it like this. He said, some of you are still drinking out of a sippy cup when God wants to give you a steak dinner. You know, it's like, wait a minute, there's so much more. I was thinking about one of the pictures we have of our oldest son Matt when he was just probably one going on two years old. Is when he was sitting in a high chair, and that day um, uh, he had been eating spaghetti. And in this picture we have of him, the spaghetti is all over his face. You know that age when the kids are starting to learn to feed themselves, and it's in the hair and it's you know over the face. All you see is kind of two eyes looking out, and he's just he's just covered with that. Well. When a child is one or two and you look at that, it's, it's funny. You smile when you see that. But if a child is 16 and they're still doing that, <laughs> you know, so, something's wrong, right? I mean, that's, you know, all of us expect our children to go, grow up and learn to feed themselves. And that's what God expects that we as believers would be growing in our faith, understanding the Scripture. We learn how to feed ourselves from the Word of God, and we take delight in that. We apply it to life. You know, I think this is an area where many churches have failed. We have given the impression that it's okay to just come to church, sit in a pew or chairs, and go home unchanged. When what God calls us to is revolutionary. I mean, Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him take up his cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life, if, you know, you're thinking your life is all about comfort and ease and taking it easy and storing up things for the future, he said, you'll lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. That's a radical message. He calls us to a whole new way of life. He calls us to be disciples who join in his work. I mean, that's why we emphasize in our church the importance that all of us as believers are called to worship. We come, we gather like this. We're all called to grow in our faith. That's why we encourage you to take those steps to connect with other believers in small groups or adult classes or opportunities to disciple and mentor. And we're all called to serve, to use our gifts in a way that makes a difference in our world for Jesus Christ. But that's where the second point comes in. The spiritual growth requires an effort on our part. How do we grow? Well, it's by hearing and obeying the Word of God. It isn't just hearing some things and getting some information or knowing some facts about Jesus or the story. I mean, the Bible wasn't given... To give us more information. It was given to change our life. It was given to show us how we could have a relationship with God that will last for eternity. And the way that we grow then is by putting God's word into practice in our life. What he says here is he says that solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Constant use. They're in the word daily, applying it to life, thinking what would Jesus do or how am I to live or what, would my, what should my response be? And they're talking to God in prayer. It's like an athlete in training. I mean, some of you today are going to go home and watch a football game. I will too, you know, and you think about those football players who play in the NFL. That's tough work. That is demanding. I mean, they just don't show up on Sunday and play this game where they're going to get killed. You know, they're working at this throughout the year. They have to train. They have to practice. They have to plan. And in our Christian life, we need to work at our faith too. In verses 1 to 3 of chapter 6, he called us to grow to maturity, and he said that there are these elementary things that we should grow beyond that there are things that we need to know as a young believer in Christ that we continue to practice, but we need to grow and become mature. What are those elementary things that he mentioned here? Well, think about this list. There's six of them. He mentioned repentance. What is that? Well, repentance is turning from sin, that I need to take sin seriously. I need to turn from it. And to repent means to have a change of heart or mind. I may have looked at it once this way, but now through God's eyes, I recognize that I am a sinner in need of his grace. And then faith. Well, faith is turning to God. That's placing our trust, the full weight of our confidence in him so that those two things, those are the two sides of a genuine conversion. It's admitting that we are a sinner who needs a Savior and it is turning to Christ and recognizing in him the only one who can save me from my sin. We need to understand baptism, its meaning and purpose. In their day, they had uh, actually several baptisms coming out of a Jewish background that baptism could be four different things. They had seen John the Baptist's baptism, which was preparatory to Christ's coming. But then there's Christian baptism. What does it mean to be baptized as a Christian? And you understand that it is a sign or a symbol of the change that is made within, that when we place our faith in Christ, we are united with him in his death and resurrection. We understand that it's not baptism that saves us, it's not the water that saves us, but it is our faith in God and our trust in Jesus Christ that saves us, and baptism is a sign of that. He talked about the laying on of hands. What's that about? Well, the laying on of hands was something done in prayer, in all kinds of prayer. They would lay hands on individuals when they were ordained, when they were called to be missionaries. When someone was sick, the elders would come and they'd lay hands and they would pray for healing. Uh, they would do, uh, lay hands on individuals when there was a prayer of blessing. I mean, they did it in all kinds of prayer. And that's, that's basic to the Christian life is what he is saying here. We are a people who pray. He talked about resurrection. Not only knowing that Jesus died and rose again, but that we also who believe in him Even though we die, we will live. There is a resurrection to come for all who have placed their faith in Christ. And then he also mentions eternal judgment. This is about understanding what's going to happen after we die. That all of us one day will stand before God to give an account for our life. Everything we've done. For the unbeliever, that day will mean the loss of everything it's the difference between heaven and hell eternal life or eternal judgment for the believer that standing before the lord is the day when he will look at our life and our works what have we done with what we've been given and it is the day on which he will give those rewards to those who have served well and so here he is saying that one of the basic things that we understand is what is to come in eternity And we live in light of that day. And when you live in light of that day, it changes the way you think about life and what's important and what's going to last, what's going to make a difference. So what he is saying is that we need to go beyond the basics of the gospel and continue to grow in our faith in Jesus Christ. But that takes an effort on our part. No one else can do it for you. So what do we do? Well, there are some basic things, again, that could be done that are steps toward maturity. This year, you could set a goal to read through the Bible for the first time if you've never done that before, and we have reading guides that you can use to do that. You could take a daily devotional. Make that your habit of your life. Use something like the daily bread that's there. You could join a small group if you're not in one or one of our adult classes on Sunday morning. You could mentor or disciples, someone else. Maybe God has blessed you, you've grown, maybe there's someone who's a younger Christian, new believer you could meet with and encourage in their faith. If you're not involved in ministry, you could get involved in an area using your gifts to serve. You could be a prayer warrior and intercede for your church, your family, your friends. And praise God for those who do that. I mean, all of us who know the Lord probably can think of an individual or People who have prayed for us so faithfully. I think about that with my parents and grandparents who have now gone to be with the Lord, and Gail and I have often talked about how that mantle is now for us, to pray for our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and those to come. You could give sacrificially in your tithes and your offerings. Give back to the Lord as he has blessed you. You see, what he is saying here is that growth is a sign of spiritual life. If there's no growth that you see in a person's life who says that they are a Christian, but you don't see any change, there's a reason to doubt whether or not there's life there. It's kind of like checking a body for a pulse. If there's no pulse or no evidence of you know, some kind of uh, life there, there's a reason to be concerned, obviously. It's like planting a seed in the ground, too. If you plant a seed in the ground and nothing comes up, you know that that seed never took root. And that's what the Scripture is saying about our life. Test ourselves. How do we know whether or not we are in the faith? Has there been that change? Is there that desire to follow Christ and know him better? And is there that joy and delight in the things of God? You know, there's much more in this passage, and I'm going to skip ahead to the, the last couple verses of this section, to verses 11 and 12, which really get at the application of what he's saying. In verses 11 and 12, he said, We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. That's where the title of my message comes from. Make your hope sure. We do not want you to become lazy but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what is promised. Look to the example of those who you have known who have gone before you who were so strong in their faith and walk with God and imitate their faith. Be diligent to the very end. Keep growing in your faith. Make your hope sure placing your trust in Jesus and open your heart and receive Him as your Savior and Lord. Have you done that? Have you taken that first step to come into a relationship with Him? The message of the Scripture is really clear. Don't miss it. What if the greatest event in the history of the world, the birth of Jesus Christ, happened, and He came, and He gave you this invitation to place your trust in Me, and you missed it? it would be the greatest loss of all. And how do we receive that gift? It's by faith. It's just like when someone gives you a gift on Christmas. You have to take it and you have to open it and you have to receive it. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your Son, Jesus, our Savior and Lord. And I thank you for the change that you make in our hearts when we place our trust and confidence in him. And if you're here this morning and you've never done that before, would you just simply pray with me this prayer in your own heart? Lord Jesus, I need you. I confess to you my sins. And I ask for your forgiveness and mercy on my life. Jesus, would you come into my heart be my Savior and Lord. And would you help me to know you better and to grow in my relationship with you? Father, thank you that you are a merciful God who wants all people to come into a relationship with your Son. And I pray that this Christmas that Christ would be the focus of our gatherings. I pray that in our times when we are there with family and friends, that our heart would be full of gratitude for you And that the gifts we give to one another would be just a a symbol, a representative, a sense of the gift that you have given to us. But may it be Jesus most of all that in our heart we worship and adore. Amen. And now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loves us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, may he encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Amen.